Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as MATH, M-A-T-H, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 41. About 90% of my sleep consultations have the same root issue, sleep pressure. Sleep pressure is this magical, beautiful thing that really takes some detective work to figure out, like, what's your secret sauce? What is the best timing for this tiny human to be sleeping, both for naps, for nighttime, all that jazz? It's a bit of a puzzle. But it's a puzzle that I want to give you the tools to solve. Don't get me wrong, we're going to keep doing consultations, and I actually have a fun surprise for you. I have been working behind the scenes over here creating an online sleep course, like a downloadable course for you to be able to snag and have lifetime access to, and it is like the sleep Bible. It is all the tools and information that I have and that I use to do a sleep consult. And I'm giving it all to you. Not yet, but soon. It's almost done and it'll be ready in early 2019. Really striving for January and I will keep you posted. It will come with loads of freebies and guys, it is just this beautiful thing. I'm pouring my whole heart into this so that you can have those tools and you'll get lifetime access so that you can use it from kid to kid when you forget all the things because you're tired or what those schedules looked like. Or guess what? All these tiny humans are different. So maybe the sleeper you have now is going to be different than the sleeper you have next. And this course will give you the tools to respond to all of those humans. And I'm so, so jazzed to get to share it with you. I will certainly keep you posted. And I'm also creating a newborn sleep guide because newborns are a whole different beast. And the sleep course is going to be for four months and beyond. And the newborn sleep guide will cover birth to four months because it's just a whole different ball game. And I'm working with an IBCLC to create that so that we can also support breastfeeding and milk production during those times as well if you desire to do that. So that's happening. <laughs> My goal here is to give you so many options and tools and resources so that you can do this thing, man, because we cannot raise emotionally intelligent humans if we're all sleep deprived. It's so hard to function. Also, our bodies get sick more frequently. It's hard for our immune systems to work. I dive into this in the sleep course, but while you're sleeping, your brain commits things to long-term memory that you learned throughout the day. It only does that in the later parts of your sleep cycle. So at the 
beginning of your sleep cycle, that's not what your brain is doing. It's important that we are going through full sleep cycles so that you can commit this information to long-term memory. This restorative sleep is vital for growth and development. It's not just that I want you to sleep and I want to do sleep consultations. It's that I know it's such an important part of growing and it's a huge part of building emotional intelligence. When we're all exhausted, we're not the best partners, the best parents, the best teachers, the best people. And same with our tiny humans. It's our job as teachers and parents and caregivers to make sure that they are getting quality restorative sleep. Even if they are saying, hey, come feed me again. Hey, come back, come back. It's our job to say, hey, I'm going to set this boundary for you because your little body needs this. So this episode is diving into sleep pressure, which is at the root of so many consultations that I do. And I'm going to dive into what that even means and some schedules. And I created some freebies for you. So over on seedandsew.org slash resources, you can find sample schedules. Those are new to the resources page for kiddos who are on one nap, two naps, or three naps. And I talk through kind of the details and logistics there in this episode. So stay tuned for more information on that. There's also a sleep guide that gives you an outline of expectations and things to be prepared for, for sleep. And there's a Fab Five environment like product list because there are so many things out in the universe saying, hey, buy me but we don't need all of them. In fact, some of them should not be in a room for sleep. I created my like five favorites list of things that I would like in every sleep home to have an optimal sleep environment. So all those freebies are at seedandso.org slash resources. And I'll link to all of them on this blog post as well. If you scroll down to the bottom of the blog, you can find all of them there. Stay tuned for the course. Uh, I'm really, really, really jazzed about this. And we will be doing some giveaways at the beginning of the course. And there will be an introductory rate uh, for a very limited time when we launch the course. So I'll keep you posted on all that jazz. But for now, snag those resources and head on over to seed.and.so on Instagram and let me hear from you. What are your sleep pressure challenges? You can also join our Facebook group at Seed and Sew, colon, Voices of Your Village, where all the experts in the field are there to answer your questions, including myself and my sleep team. Let's do this thing. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everybody, happy Thursday, or if you're not tuning in in real time, happy day, whatever day that is. Today we are diving into the topic that 
really covers like 90% of our sleep consultations. See, we often think we know what's going on with sleep because we see these things on the surface, but there's always more to it than what we see on the surface. I think of it like an iceberg, right? That like, you're like, oh, they're waking up because they want to see me or because they would ever, and like we start to see these behavioral things, but just like every behavior, there's something below it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash voices. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE for 20% off your order. So let's dive into what that means and kind of pick apart what sleep pressure even is. I like to think of sleep pressure as like the right amount of hungry, right? So when we sit down for a meal, I want to be ready to eat a meal. I don't want to be ready just for like a snack. I don't want to be hangry. I want to be the perfect amount of hungry to eat a meal. Sleep pressure is like that where we don't want to be ready for just like a little cat nap or a little mini snooze, but we don't want to be overtired because then our brain's producing cortisol and nobody wins when we produce cortisol. So we want to be like the perfect amount of tired where you lay down and you're ready to take a solid snooze. A lot of times I'm looking at tiny human schedules and really troubleshooting their sleep pressure. 
Maybe their naps are too short or too infrequent, or maybe they're too long, or maybe they're too late in the day, or maybe they end too early and then they have a long awake period. So I'm looking at all of that to analyze where we can go and how we can tweak things because overtired kiddos are terrible sleepers and kiddos who aren't tired enough are going to take a little snooze and be like, oh, hey, let's hang out. Let me put in a disclaimer. This is all going to be for tiny humans who are over four months old. I'll talk a little bit about under four months towards the end, but Right now, we're just going to dive into over four months because then you're producing melatonin and sleep is just a whole different ballgame. So the general rule of thumb is that we want the awake time to get gradually longer throughout the day. So if you have a kiddo who's on two naps, we want to see that their awake time is getting a little longer every time. So say they wake up at 6 a.m., they will be awake for about two hours, maybe a little longer maybe a little shorter. Every kiddo is different. And this is where we find their like sweet spot, but say they're awake for about two hours. They go down for a nap at eight. Then they would nap from eight till nine 30 ish, wake up, be awake for about three hours. So the first awake period is about two hours. This one's about three. They're going down for a nap at like 1230. Say they sleep for a couple hours. We see them at 230. Then they're going to be awake for about four hours. And now we're going to go down for bed at about 6.30. So you'll see here that this modeled like the two, three, four rule. Now every kiddo is going to be different. Sometimes a kiddo needs two and a half hours of awake time and then three or three and a half and then four, four and a half. So it, but it's usually around that amount of time. Because what we don't want is that any of the awake periods are drastically longer than the one before. So when we look at kids on one nap, we don't want to see that one of the awake periods is like eight hours and the other one's like four. I do a lot of work with child care centers around this because oftentimes we're seeing that naps are happening too late in child care. If your kiddo is on one nap and they're going down at 1 p.m. and they're sleeping until 3 p.m., let's throw out that you want them to go to bed at 7 and wake up at 6. If they're going down at 1, they've had a 7-hour awake window in the morning, and then they're only going to be up from 3 to 7 with a 4-hour awake window in the afternoon. So you can see how 7 in the morning versus 4 in the afternoon, not only do we want more in the afternoon than the morning, but that those two times are drastically different. So I have created a sample sleep schedule freebie for you. It's at seedandso.org slash resources for you to be able to see sample sleep schedules for kiddos who are on three naps, two naps, and one nap. And you can adjust this for your family. It doesn't actually matter to me if a kid goes to bed at 6 p.m. or if a kid goes to bed at 9 p.m. What matters is that their naps are matching up with this. So if a kid is going to bed at 9 p.m. but they woke up from nap at 1, eight hours is a long awake period. That's where we might see kiddos who are overtired and that's why they're refusing bedtime or showing resistance there. One thing to be mindful of that goes hand in hand with sleep pressure is light. So what happens is light goes into your eye and sends a message to your brain not to produce melatonin yet. When we have darkness coupled with sleep pressure in your circadian rhythm, then your 
body clock will naturally start to produce melatonin. We only want this to happen when we want it to happen, right? So we don't want kids starting to produce melatonin at 6 p.m. if we don't want them to go to bed till 7.30. So what I do is I, I look at the sleep pressure. I look at nap times and make sure the awake time hasn't been too long or that their naps have been long enough throughout the day. If they're taking a series of cat naps, we might see that they're exhausted by 6.30. But on that note, I also would like to add that it's more important that the awake stretches aren't too long, even if it does mean cat naps. So say your kiddo's at childcare and they're new to school and they are just cat napping around the clock here. And at home, they take longer naps. It's okay. What I want is that they are getting those little cat naps so that they're not awake for too long of a period. Long awake periods are the devil's work. This is where our kiddos are overtired and overtired kiddos, I said this a million times, but overtired kiddos are terrible sleepers because they're producing cortisol to try and stay awake. It's just adrenaline, right? Like this is where we say, oh, we're starting to crash. We're starting to get tired. As an adult, you might drink a cup of coffee or you might go out and look at the sun. That light is very helpful. Or you power through and your body starts to produce cortisol to keep you going. Cortisol inhibits the production of melatonin and serotonin. So serotonin will start to calm your body down and melatonin will knock you out. They're both amazing hormones that help us snooze and get a solid stretch of sleep. And if we're going down overtired, oftentimes overtired kiddos, I'm seeing them wake a lot specifically in the first six hours. So in a beautiful sleep pressure scenario, a kiddo goes down for bed and we do not see them for the first five to six hours. So even kiddos who are still feeding throughout the night, they shouldn't need to feed in that first five to six hours. They should be out cold. So if you're seeing that kiddo at nine or 10, sometimes this is related to food. Sometimes they might still be hungry and then we have to look at what's happening during the day because to me that means they're not getting enough calories during the day. Again, this is for older kiddos. This is not for newborns. But they should, once melatonin is producing, be able to sleep that first five to six hours consolidated and then you'll generally see them wake up to feed every two to three hours after that. But I bet there are a lot of you out there who would love to have a solid five to six hour stretch at the beginning. Honestly, a lot of the time this comes back to sleep pressure and making sure that our kiddos aren't overtired so that their serotonin and melatonin productions can operate the way that they're designed to operate, which doesn't happen if we're producing cortisol. I'm going to talk you through what this looked like with my one-year-old who, one and two-year-olds, my toddler room, who were on one nap. Because a lot of you, I mean, usually go to one nap between 12 and 18 months with a lot of kiddos falling around that 15-month range. So if you can survive that first year-ish, for the next few years, you're on one nap. So let's go over that schedule. I'm going to base this off of wanting your kids to go to bed at 7 p.m. and wake up at 6 a.m. But again, that can be adjusted for your family unit. As long as you adjust nap time, you can adjust bed and wake times. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. So, your kiddo gets up at six. I want them awake about five, five and a half hours in the morning. Which means they're going down for nap about 11.30. I know that seems so early to so many people. Here's how I made that work. They would have breakfast at home. They would come to school. We'd have snack around nine. Then I did lunch around 11. And then my kiddos went down for a nap and they were asleep by 1130. I got nine kids to sleep. Not I. We, my t- amazing teaching team, would get nine toddlers to sleep in about 15 minutes. It's a well-oiled machine. And I have a blog post about it for you how to make that happen. They would go to sleep at about 11.30. And then the goal here is that they sleep until at least about one. So we're looking for about an hour and a half at least. Some of my kiddos would sleep two, two and a half hours. Those kiddos were the first ones we put down. So they would fall asleep closer to 11 because I want my kids to wake up by about 1, 1.30. So that if they're up at one, They will have about a six-hour awake stretch at the end of the day, getting them down to bed around 7. They're at 1.30. They'll have another five-and-a-half-hour stretch, very similar to the morning. Maybe they won't fall asleep till between 7 and 7.30, but that's also fine. If they were up after 1.30, it would be very challenging for them to go to sleep before 8 o'clock because their sleep pressure would be off. They wouldn't have had enough awake time at night. And sometimes what we see is they might crash and go to sleep, but then we're seeing an early morning wake up because in the meal analogy, they actually weren't hungry enough for a full meal. So I really want you to take a look at these schedules. I did first lunch and second lunch. So my kiddos, some of my kiddos started lunch at like 10.45, my early sleepers, and then we did second lunch when everyone was awake around 1 o'clock. My kiddos essentially ate what could be like a full meal 
every like two hours. And I can't imagine being a tiny human and having a full lunch, like a full meal, and then laying down to sleep for two hours. Like for me, that would be very uncomfortable. We found that when we did it, when we split lunch in half and did like first lunch, second lunch, that our kids were able to settle and we weren't seeing like nap poops and things like that because, whoa, what a doozy, right? Like when they wake up with a poop and you just know that nap is now off and they're not going to go back to sleep because they've had enough of a snooze to not be tired enough to go back to sleep, but they're awake with a poop, which is a very valid reason to be awake. That's such a doozy. So you want to avoid that. So I split lunch into two chunks and then about five and a half to six hours of awake time at the end of the day. And then it's bedtime. Those kiddos, I mean, once they're over 15 months, we really don't have to be feeding them throughout the night unless you want to and that's working for you fine. But from a nutritional standpoint, that shouldn't have to happen. So then most of my kiddos would then go and sleep through the night. Okay, let's dive in a little bit to newborns because I know I've neglected them in this episode. First of all, I have a really cool announcement for you guys. I talked about it a little bit in the intro, but I am creating an online sleep course that is going to be available in early 2019. It is the mothership. It gives you all the tools to walk through this and analyze what's going on and troubleshoot the things. And the cool part about this is that you have lifetime access to it. And it comes with so many amazing freebies. You can use it then from kid to kid because we all forget all the things when we're sleep deprived and in the trenches. But if you have a document to turn to and say, oh, right, here's what this looks like. This is what I do at this age. You can snag that. And the only kicker is that since newborn sleep is so different. The sleep guide is four months to five years, really four months and beyond, but I'm creating a separate newborn sleep guide that'll be specifically for that newborn phase because newborns are just a whole different beast. But here's the general rule of thumb with newborns. Don't let them get overtired. I never want to see a newborn awake for more than two hours, ever. In four months, I don't want to see it because their little bodies can't handle it. And then they're going to start producing cortisol and we've all, we've been through this, but they will not be good sleepers if they're producing cortisol. I want newborns to really nap as much as they need to. It can be cat naps. That's fine. We do not need to see a longer stretch of nap during the day for a while. Um, You generally will closer to four months start to see at least one of those naps that is longer. But honestly, the main sleep pressure rule of thumb for newborns is to make sure that they're napping. Usually their wake time is only about 60 minutes. Sometimes it's less. Sometimes it's about an hour and a half. Two hours is the max awake time. That's the biggest thing. And then I dive into setting foundations and uh, solid habits and how to work with feeding and all that jazz in the newborn sleep guide. I consulted with an IBCLC whom I love so dearly to make sure that we're working with milk production and things to know there uh, to go hand in hand with newborn sleep, where to sleep, how to sleep, all that jazz in the newborn sleep guide. But for sleep pressure, the thing to be mindful of is just the awake time. All right, guys, I just packed so much information into this one. Here's the thing. 
Newborn Sleep Guide and Sleep Course will be live in early 2019, so stay tuned for that. The resources that you have at your fingertips right now, I created a sample sleep schedule for three, two, and one nap kiddos over on seedandso.org slash resources. You can snag that. And remember, you can tweak it for your family. What we're really looking at there are the length of awake times and the like nap lengths. And then I have the sleep guide birth to five over on seedandso.org slash resources as well. And that's diving into uh, just kind of like what to pay attention to and what your expectations should be for amount of sleep and all that jazz. The other sleep resource that we have on the resources page is the Fab Five sleep products for a solid sleep environment. So environment matters. It, it for sure matters. And as you just heard about light, there are so many other factors that go into sleep. It is not like a simple, oh, do this one thing. So snag the environment guide to make sure that you're not buying all the products in the whole wide world because you don't need all of them. But there are some that I highly recommend and that can change the game for sleep. So we'll link to all of those in the blog post and then you can snag them over on the resources page. All right, guys. The last thing to note is that I do sleep presentations as well. So if your child care center is struggling with sleep or they're interested in a sleep presentation, I have presented to multiple child care centers and um, can do so both in person and virtually. So feel free to send them my way if they're interested in that for professional development. All right, folks, I'll catch you on the flip side. Happy snoozing. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.